Uh, in this pandemic season, the season of massive disruption from relational isolation, economic hardship, and then now the largest civil rights movement in the history of the world, bringing to light uh, systemic racism in our country and around the world, there's been massive disruption. And at Scarlet City, in the midst of, of this chaos and disruption, we've been asking the past several weeks, what does God require? What does God want? In our text in Micah 6, 8, it says, what is the, what the Lord really wants from you? What, is, what does God want? And we're reminded here that God is a wanting God. He's a, he's a loving God. God has desires. He's a passionate God. His, his wants are a reflection of His passions. And we, as His image bearers, human beings, are passionate people. That's, that's, why there's, that's why we care when our loved ones get sick and die. It's, it's why uh, social isolation is a, is a hard thing because we're passionate people created to live in relationship. It's why the economic hardship is hard because we have passions in life. And losing jobs and, and losing money is, is not just some neutral thing, but it reveals passions. It's why civil rights is an issue people are passionate about because we care about people. As human beings, we're passionate people. And, and as we're asking, what does God really want? What do, you, what do you really want? What do you want? I mentioned some of the passions we have. And, and uh, another expression of passions in life is uh, finding hobbies. Oh, uh, my wife Megan and I, we were recently having this conversation with, uh, with COVID-19 and some of the social distancing stuff and being at home a little more. We're like, you know, we need some hobbies. And it's just, I don't know, that feels like a funny thing to talk about. It's like, man, we're really adults now when we're talking about needing hobbies. I don't remember as a kid ever needing to sit up and be like, what is my hobby? But we were having the conversation and there's a website that can help you, you answer a few questions, and it'll give you some hobbies based on how you answer the questions that you should consider. And, and here were mine. Here's what they said. They gave three suggestions. One uh, suggestion of a hobby, a, a passion I could take up, is orienting. What this is, is there are clubs in cities where people get together and they, they get out a compass and they go and find things. I, maybe that's you. I shouldn't uh, knock it, but that's one. Uh, another suggestion for me was watercolor painting. Uh, and a third was making friendship bracelets. Now, I really wonder the validity of this test because if you know anything about me, you know that crafting is not my thing. Like Hobby Lobby, it feels like a completely foreign place. I feel more comfortable walking the streets of New Delhi in India than I do walking the aisles in Hobby Lobby. Crafting's not my thing, so I answer these questions and this is what they give me, I, 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 I'm calling no. But it brings to light, what is their passion? Do you have passions expressed in how, how we live our life? What is your life? What do you, what do you really want? And, and, and it forces us to ask the question, are we basing our life on hobbies, Activities that are reflections of our personal passions in a moment, or are we basing the big decisions and time of our life in alignment with God's passion, with God's loves, with God's heart, 
Are we aligning our wants with God's wants? And that's where we're going at in this series, and that's what we're focusing on this morning. What is God passionate about? What does God really want? In Micah 6, 8, he tells us, what does God really want? God has put his people on trial, and he has an accusation against them because they're living a life contrary to what God wants. And he says this, what does the Lord really want? What's God's passion? He has told you, O man, what is good and what the Lord really wants from you. He wants you to carry out justice, to love faithfulness, and to live obediently before your God. Last week, we talked specifically about justice, doing justice, carrying out justice. This week, I want to talk about the second command, to love faithfulness. The the term here is chesed, the covenant-keeping love of God. So we're going to talk about love. Love-based justice. And I think it's so important. Uh, John Perkins was a prominent civil rights activist and leader in the 1960s, 70s, and beyond. And in 1970, after leading an economic boycott of white businesses in Mississippi, he was arrested and tortured by police. And this, rather than, um, and, and this act, rather than driving him toward just pure bitterness, and anger, which would have been justifiable and understanding, or rather than instilling in him fear to do nothing, it actually, he looked at those torturing him and he realized that they, they suffered. And he, and he was then mobilized for the rest of his life to bring justice and reconciliation. And he founded a number of ministries and churches and organizations, some that are still having a huge effect on the world today. And I had the opportunity a few years ago to be in a lunch with, with, um, with John Perkins, with a few other pastors, and he, he spoke so passionately about some of his concern for the present secular justice being extended and that it lacked love. And he was so passionate about love needing to be the center. And the reason being was because he had so rooted his life in God that he wanted what God wanted, and it was justice based on chesed love. And so this morning, let's look at that. Two questions. What is chesed love? Love as it's defined here in, in our text. And what does it look like? What is love? What does it look like? First, what is chesed love? Chesed is the Hebrew term here to describe um, to love faithfulness. A few different translations. As I mentioned, the Net Bible says love faithfulness. The NIV or ESV says love mercy. Uh, Eugene Peterson in the Message Translation, he says, be compassionate and loyal in your love. Bruce Waltke, a prominent Hebrew scholar, said to faithfully love. Really what we have here is the Hebrew word ahave, which is to love, and the Hebrew noun chesed, which is translated faithfulness, mercy, Uh, compassion and kindness, and it refers to God's covenant-keeping love. Uh, Catherine uh, Dube Sackenfield, another prominent Hebrew scholar from Princeton, she describes uh, chesed this way. She says it's deliverance or protection as a responsible keeping of faith with another with whom one is in a relationship. You see, chesed refers to being in relationship with someone, and it it is love between the two parties. It is keeping one's promises. 
as Christians, we talk about having a relationship with God. And, and what does that mean? You know, some think of a relationship with God as a, some kind of friendship or, or like peer relationship. Others think of relationship with God as, as a more familial or father-son relationship. And others think of relationship with God as some guru, some, you know, God gives these wise teachings and it would be nice to do them. And we certainly have the familiar relationship, and that is based on the biblical concept of relationship with God, which is partnership. You see, in the very beginning, God creates men and women in His image as partners and co-laborers. He entrusts them with His desire to bring protection and flourishing for all things. And sin enters in the world. It fractures that relationship. And then God has been about restoring a partner's. And so he forms a covenant with Abraham. He enters into partnership with Abraham. And he says, he forms this covenant. God says, I will bless you. I will multiply you and form you into a great nation. And I will bring you into a land. I will protect you and lead to your flourishing. But I'm asking that you fulfill obligations, that you reflect my heart in the matter. And this type of partnership, this type of covenant is what's called a Caesarian vassal treaty. At the time, kingdoms would form covenants, and, and that type of treaty was one powerful king and kingdom forming into a treaty with a, with a less powerful, a weaker king and kingdom, and they would provide protection and blessing as long as the weaker party fulfilled their obligation to reflect that king and kingdom's values. God enters into this. He forms this partnership, this covenant where God will bring protection and blessing and ask His people to reflect His wants in the world. Now, chesed is the term used all over the Old Testament to describe God fulfilling His love, His promises, even when His people don't. That even when His people don't reflect God's heart in the world, God will still love them. He still blesses and protects them in the world. Chesed then, what is chesed love? It is faithfulness to fulfill one's promises even when another cannot or will not. It is faithful. That's why it's translated mercy or grace or even kindness at times. And Bruce Waltke, who I mentioned earlier, he, he ties it, he, he links it to justice. Listen to what he says. It is now apparent that the practice of chesed, of this love, is closely related to mishpat, that is justice that we looked at last week. Both pertain to the deliverance of an oppressed. The weaker party by the stronger party. The stronger king, the stronger God, delivering, protecting the weaker. And listen to this. Whereas mishpat, that's justice, puts emphasis on the action, hesed puts emphasis on the attitude behind the action. Justice is about action, and hesed is the heart that leads to it. And so now that we've defined hesed love, what does it look like? What does hesed-based justice look like in the world? And, and, and there's some practical things. You know, when we think of the love of John Perkins and Martin Luther King Jr. and many civil rights leaders and, and this, this love, this chesed love and justice that's been a part of the Christian movement for centuries. 
you know, what does it look like? How do we differentiate it between secular love or disengaged love? A few things I want to talk about, and, and Jesus picks up on this. In Matthew 22, he's asked by someone, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment? You know, God gives the law, and that was the, what God's people were to do to fulfill their end of the covenant. And Jesus summarizes this. And one way he can say is, what could we do to fulfill our obligation to God in light of the covenant that we have made together? God bringing blessing, protection, deliverance, salvation. What does God want? Jesus says, love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. What does God really want when He thinks of justice, loving kindness, walking humbly with Him? It's love. Loving in three spheres. This is what Hesed-based justice looks like. First, genuine love for God. If we're going to be about justice... We must love God. We must love the one who calls us to do justice and love him wholeheartedly. And this is genuine love. You know, some people, they relate to God. They, you know, they, they study their Bible and theology and all those things, but there's not much love there. Not a lot of love. It's, it's like I think of a teacher who has a student. The teacher loves the student. They want that student. They're passionate about the topic. And they want that student to be passionate too. But the student responds, uh, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll learn about the civil rights movement. We'll, we'll study history, but, you know, just tell me the bare minimum I need to do. Okay, I'll write the essay. Okay, what do I need to do to pass? Some people relate to God that way. Okay, God, just, what do I need? That's what God's people are doing here. What, in verse... Uh, four, what does the Lord want me to bring into His presence? What does He want? Okay, God, what, what hoop do I need to jump through? There's no love for God. Other people have a lot of love, but it's for God created in their image. I see this among many today, and unfortunately in evangelical churches, there's a lot of devotion and love for God, and yet when they think of God, they think of Him through the lens of their American nationalism. They have more love of country than they do love of God. We need to have genuine love for God, the God who has revealed himself, how he has revealed himself, that he's a God of justice, a God of covenant, chesed. Love for God, genuine, holistic love for God. And then this leads to proper love of self. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. We cannot love our neighbor well if we do not receive love. We don't love ourselves. Now, I'm not talking about self. A proper self-love is not self-infatuation. We're not put. We're not talking about loving ourselves as putting ourselves at the center of the universe and God and everything else revolves around our interest, our values, our priorities. No, we're talking about putting God at the center. And when God is at the center, we look at ourselves through the lens that He looks at us, and He looks at us as lovable as worthy of justice and protection, as worth sending His Son to die on our behalf so that through faith in Him, we could be reconciled with Him, that we could be part of His family, that He desires covenant, that He desires partnership. 
God looks at you and me and he sees you and he, he loves you. Wherever you are right now, whatever voice you're hearing right now, maybe a voice of condemnation and you look in the mirror and you just you feel like a failure and you feel unloved and you feel isolated, God looks at you right now and He's not shaking His head and just pure disappointment, but He's looking at you like a loving father looks at his child just desiring you. The same God who calls us to do justice commands us to Sabbath. He, Jesus invites us to bring our burdens to Him. And if we're going to be about justice, we need to Sabbath. We need to rest. We need to be people who sleep and don't carry the burdens of the world in a way that we were never meant to. You and I are human beings. And we are about justice and we are about love, but we do it through the lens of understanding that the one who can bring ultimate justice and who one day will is Jesus. And so we partner with Him, we play our part, but we will never fix the things that God has left unfixed. And we long and hope for the day when He will come and do it. And we know He will. We believe He will. And we play a part in doing it in small ways now, but we cannot carry the burdens that we are not created to carry. We must have proper self-love. We must pursue health and wholeness personally, or we will never extend it socially. And that is, unfortunately, much of the problem of the secular justice movement. It's motivated by anger, often. And rather than bringing personal health into the social spheres, we merely perpetuate the chaos and division by focusing on the wrongs and failures of everyone else rather than experiencing wholeness ourselves. Requires proper self-love. And lastly, Hesed-based justice. What does it look like? It's committed love for others. It looks like commitment. Covenant. Hesed love is fulfilling one's end of the bargain even when the other does not. And in order to do this, friends, in order to have this committed type of justice love, we must see people as God sees them. We must see people not as commodities for ourselves. We must see people not as, uh, as people to use to satisfy some sense of guilt, to just... If we feel guilty, we just need to do something and, okay, I'll do it, just settle this. Or, or pe using people to platform ourselves so that we can be looked at as woke and righteous with the world. No, we, we look at people and we see them as image bearers, as brothers and sisters worthy of love. You know, we talked earlier about hobbies. We also love things. Good things. Maybe this morning you, you got up and you made yourself a cup of coffee. You grinded those beans and all the smell and you made a cup and you're just holding it and it's like, I was tired and awake and now I am alive. <laughs> Good cup of coffee is amazing. Maybe you love McDonald's french fries. Oh, you, you hold the little red packet and oh, in a chaotic world, in a, in a divisive, disrupted, unloving world, Oh, McDonald's fries, they will never let me down until after I eat them. But we can love these things. But here's the thing, they're things. There's not a covenant. 
There's not a partnership in that love. The relationship is you drink the coffee. You eat the fries. They're for you. That's why you love them, because they are there for you. Covenant love is not like that. It does not look at the other person as there for me. It looks at the other person through the, through the eyes and lens of the gospel and God and sees them as worthy of me giving myself for their protection and uplifting. And friends, when we do this, when we see people this way, it will revolutionize how we do justice and how we relate. Rather than now just doing the smallest amount, tell me the hoop I can do to satisfy this guilt, or bringing our presence into it and taking the pictures and putting ourselves at the center and our arm around them, displaying the picture to the world, see, I do a good thing. We will be able to serve in the small ways that never are seen. Not using it for our advancement, but just because justice and love is an end in and of itself. You see, just like a, a good hobby, you do it not because you get paid, not because others care. When you really enjoy something, and you really enjoy someone just being in their presence, doing the action in and of itself is an end. It's not a means to an end. It's the end. And this is what God wants. He wants us to so see and internalize, it, internalize His love that we enter into the world loving people, doing justice, elevating them, empowering them. And that in and of itself is an end. It's a gift. And that's why it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy of the highest level when God's people are not about justice. Because not only are we, are we failing to keep our end of the covenant relationship, but we are missing out. We are missing out on a true sense of beauty and meaning in the world. Are we going to make our life about nice hobbies and things and the enjoyment of them, of which I do not want to minimize and they can be fine. Play sports, Sabbath, recreation, yes, but not at the expense of justice. Let's love God. Let's love ourselves in the way we're meant to. And let's love others for the long term. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for being a covenant-keeping God. May we honor you with our lives. May we reflect your love in the world. Do a work in us and through us, we pray. Amen.